Proclaim My Word in partnership with AM 1160 The Quest, Atlanta Catholic Radio, bring you the Letter to the Ephesians Bible Study. The purpose of this study is to help you live God's Word daily and help increase your faith and trust in Him. This show is made possible by listeners like you. To support Proclaim My Word, go to ProclaimMyWord.org and hit the Donate button. You'll also find the link to register for the current study and receive the study guide at ProclaimMyWord.org. Thank you for your generosity in helping us evangelize by spreading His Word. Welcome to the Bible study entitled God's Plan to Protect You, based on the letter to the Ephesians. I'm Linda, and I'm here with Carrie Allen, the founder of Proclaim My Word, a ministry dedicated to helping us know God's Word so we can live His Word and have the courage to proclaim His Word, just as the opening theme song encourages us to do. Carrie, before we begin episode 6, chapter 6, in Paul's letter to the Ephesians called Stand Up and Resist Evil, will you lead us in the opening prayer that can be found on page 3 of the study guide? Sure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, I desire to know you, to love you, and to serve you. Always be with me, Lord. Open my heart to hear and live your word today and every day. Help me to keep your word in my heart, so my personal relationship with your Son, Jesus Christ, will grow ever deeper. I pray for the wisdom and the courage to proclaim the gospel with confidence so others will be led to you and your gift of salvation. Let the light of my love for you be seen so that others will be drawn to your love and mercy. May I have the wisdom to do your will and to follow you on earth as my Lord and Savior until I return to you. Thank you, Lord, for all the many ways you continue to bless me and those I love. Prepare me for whatever the future may bring. Help me to daily walk by faith and not by sight, ever willing to proclaim your word and your marvelous deeds. Bless me with faith and courage to trust and obey you at all times. When I walk through the dark valleys, give me the grace to know that you are always with me and always hear my prayers. Help me to persevere, Lord, as I wait with hope to spend eternity with you. My trust is in you, Jesus, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As I mentioned, we are studying chapter 6, titled, Stand Up and Resist Evil. But first, Carrie, will you give us a brief recap about what we learned in our last episode? Sure. In our last episode, called Know Him to Imitate Him, Paul is encouraging us to be imitators of God and live in love as Christ loved us and handed himself over for us as a sacrificial offering to God. When we're imitating God, we're living in the virtue of love. Just as Jesus loved us and demonstrated that love by offering himself as a perfect sacrifice to God to save us. That doesn't mean only loving those who love you. It even means loving those who are your enemies loving those who have hurt you. It means loving those who don't think or look like you. We imitate God by living as a child of light. It means living a virtuous life to become more like God. The light in you can help lead others out of darkness. 
His light in you can help heal others, especially those with whom you are in relationship. His light can help you live in harmony and unity with others. That's what submission means. It's not giving up. It's giving in to God's will. In the last chapter, Paul told us to do something that may seem to be impossible, but really isn't. He tells us to thank God always for everything. Come on, Paul, do you mean I'm supposed to thank God when something bad or tragic happens in my life? No, that's not what Paul is saying. You aren't thanking God for what happened, but you are thanking him for the blessings and the good that can come from what happened, even though you can't see it or understand it. That's called trust. You're trusting God in all situations, and you recognize that no matter what happens, he will never stop loving you. He hears your prayers, and he is always in control. As I have suggested in the past, thank God in advance of answering your prayers, knowing and believing that his perfect timing and his perfect answer to your prayer is so much better than your answer. It seems like Paul is asking an awful lot of us, but it's not Paul asking us to do all of this, is it? It's the Holy Spirit asking us to imitate God, to be light in a dark world, to give thanks for everything, and to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know who doesn't want us to do anything the Holy Spirit is asking of us? the evil one. The Holy Spirit never asks us to do anything without giving us the grace and the instructions on how to do the will of our Heavenly Father. If you want to imitate God and go deeper in your relationship with Jesus, love the ones who are the most difficult to love. The more you praise God, the more you thank Him, the more you will get to know your God, the more you will be able to become like him. Thank you, Carrie. So that leads us to the final chapter, number six, in the letter to the Ephesians called Stand Up and Resist Evil. But first, let's review the prologue in the study guide. Paul continues his letter, Children, obey and honor your parents. Parents are not to provoke your children. Servants and masters respect each other with goodwill. God's reward is not affected by a Christian's station in life. Be strong in the Lord, he writes, using the protections he has provided to arm and defend you in this challenging world. Cover yourselves with God's armor and the word of God so you can overcome the darkness. Paul ends by asking for prayers for all the saints and for himself and for all Christians to have the courage and boldness in speaking the gospel. He closes with a benediction of peace and love to all believers who love the Lord Jesus Christ. Carrie, please take it from here. Okay. As you can probably tell, the beginning of chapter 6 is really a continuation of chapter 5. And Paul is encouraging us to be obedient and subordinate to one another and to those who have authority over us, such as the church. But now he is talking to children and parents, saying that the fourth commandment to honor your father and mother is the only commandment that comes with a promise that all may go well with you, and you may have a long life on earth. Reverence 
respect and obedience all work together. And haven't we seen that declining in our culture today? A culture today that is saying, it's all good, I'll do it my way, and I deserve it. Seems like we've never gotten out of the me generation. That's not imitating God, and that's not living a virtuous life, is it? Although it was all about him, he made it all about us and what we need to be saved from and for. We needed to be saved from the world for our eternal home in heaven. Jesus submitted to his Father. He surrendered his will, and we're called not only to imitate God, but to be his willing servant by doing God's will from our hearts, and that's the virtue of love. As you can tell by now, one of my most favorite quotes in the Bible is from Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Now, that's a verse you should commit to memory and say frequently. Galatians 2.20. Paul ends the letter to the Ephesians warning us to understand that there's a battle going on right now. It's a spiritual battle for our souls and a battle much worse than any earthly battle. Even though the devil and his demons were defeated by Jesus on the cross, they still remain dangerous until Christ returns to destroy them forever. Paul is telling us that we're not powerless in this battle because we have all the weapons that we need to stand up and resist our enemy whose only desire is to distract and destroy us. One of the greatest weapons that you have right now is prayer. Your prayers can give you the strength and the courage to have the fortitude to persevere in the battle and endure until the end. As St. Alphonsus Liguri said, whoever prays is certainly saved. He who does not pray is certainly damned. All the blessed have been saved by prayer. The evil one will do anything to keep you from praying by trying to distract you and getting you to believe you don't have time to pray and that it really doesn't do any good anyway. So the question is, do you have a prayer life? If not, you might want to ask the Lord to help you set some time aside every day to spend with him in prayer. There's a saying that if you're too busy to pray, you're too busy. One of the most powerful weapons against the evil one is the rosary. It's better than a Glock and more powerful. Satan will do anything to keep you from saying the rosary. Pope Adrian VI said, the rosary is the scourge of the devil. Saying the rosary every day was very difficult for me and in many ways still is. I began saying the rosary daily several years ago for my Lenten offering, and I've never stopped. Even though my mind keeps wandering and I have to pull my attention back to the daily mysteries, I know Mary is with me, always helping me grow closer to her son, Jesus. The rosary has become not only a weapon of mass destruction of evil, but it has also become a refuge for me. It's where I find peace. But if you're just beginning a prayer life, start with just a few minutes every day, saying a few prayers, such as an Our Father, 
one Hail Mary and a glory be. Everyone has time to do that. We have more time to pray than we realize. You can pray while you're driving. Just don't shut your eyes. <laughs> or you're cleaning. You can pray while you're mow- mowing the lawn, while you're waiting in a carpool or in the line at the grocery store. Make the sign of the cross before falling asleep at night and when you wake up in the morning. Bless your children by making the sign of the cross on their forehead at night and before they leave the house. As St. John Vianney said in the Ponder, the sign of the cross is the most terrible weapon against the devil. We can all find time to pray. Think about what you wish you had done more of when you're on your deathbed. Do you think you would say, I wish I had worked more hours? Or I wish I had watched more TV or more movies or spent time on the Internet? So on and so forth. You get the message. Or will you wish you had spent more time with our Lord in prayer, being spiritually prepared for your permanent home in heaven? I don't want to sound morbid, but we should always be prepared to leave this earth. In this last chapter, Paul tells us to draw our strength from the Lord and from his mighty power. He even tells us how to do it by putting on the armor of God so we can stand up and resist evil, so we don't fall for the tricks of the evil one who is cunning and devious. Many people today don't believe or don't want to believe that Satan really exists, and that's exactly what he wants you to believe. You see, if you don't believe he exists, you won't do anything that Paul is encouraging you to do to protect yourself. Recently, my husband and I went to a club where a friend of ours was performing. When we were leaving, I waited at the entrance for Bob to get the car. As I was waiting, I started to look at the wall where there are several business cards. And I picked up a few, and then I noticed an all-black card that had two angel wings, and a sword on the front. I turned the card over, and at the top it said, We are here to unbaptize ourselves. There was a logo that said, The Satanic Temple. There wasn't a number or a website, just a promotion of Satanism. Satan does exist, and he is working overtime right now, to influence you, your children, our families, and our world. Paul is right then, and he's right now. Our struggle isn't with human beings, but our struggle is with the spiritual powers of evil. We may not be able to see the struggle with our eyes, but just know that the evil one is present. As it says in the St. Michael the Archangel prayer, who prowls around the world seeking the ruin of souls. The St. Michael prayer was composed by Pope Leo XIII after he had a very disturbing mystical experience at Mass one day. He then gave instructions for it to be said after all Masses throughout the Church. He saw what the future would look like, and it deeply disturbed him. It makes me wonder if what he saw was the world today. The use of the St. Michael prayer was discontinued in 1964 as one of the first changes to come from Vatican II. 
30 years later, Pope John Paul II revived the prayer, and he said, Although the prayer is no longer recited at the end of Mass, I ask everyone not to forget it and to recite it to obtain help in the battle against forces of darkness and against the spirit of the world. Today, we do hear some parishes reciting the St. Michael prayer at the end of Mass. Wouldn't it be great if all parishes began reciting it after all Masses to help stop the attack on the Church and on Christians throughout the world? It's truly a powerful prayer of protection that I prayed frequently when raising our four teenagers at the same time. I still say it and highly recommend that you memorize the prayer and say it often for your church and for your family. Paul is trying to help us understand that there is a spiritual battle going on right now for our souls. And it's a battle much worse than any earthly battle. It's a battle to try and destroy the morals and the values in our families, in our nation, and mostly in our souls. He warns us to understand the power we have through prayer because the Holy Spirit lives in each one of us. And you and I have access to that same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Although all spiritual forces were conquered by Jesus on the cross, we still have a battle and a struggle on our hands. The evil one hasn't given up, as it says in 1 Peter 5, 8. Your opponent, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Does that sound familiar? That verse is echoed in the St. Michael prayer, that someone, the devil, is trying to devour you and me. You heard of the saying, misery loves company? Well, that's why the evil one won't give up. He knows that he's been defeated, and he wants as much company in hell as he can get before Christ returns. You know the one thing Satan wants from you? He wants to devour your faith. If he can destroy your faith, he can destroy your soul. He will do anything to keep you from surrendering yourself to the Lord and trusting that Jesus is in control. This is why it's so important to pray for protection. Not only protection from accidents or illnesses, but protection from evil. Pray that God will protect your faith and the faith of those you love. Pray that our church will be protected and our priests who serve us and who are being spiritually attacked every day will also be protected. That's a simple yet extremely powerful weapon to defeat evil. I agree, Carrie. That is one of the best ways the laity can support our priests. Let's all take that as a reminder to start that practice before we even get out of bed in the morning. Yep, that's a great idea, Linda. Now, Carrie, we move into one of the favorite parts of the Bible, the armor of God in the letter to the Ephesians. Will you take us through each piece of the armor so we all know how to put on the armor each day and every day? Absolutely. Paul ends this chapter by telling us how to be prepared and defend ourselves against the lies and the tactics of the evil one by putting on the armor of God. This is how we can resist evil spirits and hold our ground by holding on to our faith. So what is the armor of God that Paul tells us to put on so we can stand firm and resist evil? 
God's armor is the complete array of spiritual virtues that God provides to us Christians to help us battle against the forces of evil. It's a metaphor to remind us of the importance of being prepared for spiritual battles that God knows that everyone will encounter at one time or another in their life. Putting on the armor of God implies living a virtuous Christian life. The armor that Paul is telling us to put on is not only to remind us about the military gear of a Roman soldier, but he's also referring to the spiritual armor that's referenced in the Old Testament that portrays God as a warrior, as it says in Isaiah fifty-nine seventeen. He put on justice as his breastplate, salvation as the helmet on his head. He clothed himself with garments of vengeance, wrapped himself in a mantle of zeal. Putting on the armor is another way that we can imitate God. First, Paul says to gird our loins in truth. Some translations say, put on the belt of truth. This piece of armor fits around the body, much like a girdle, and to a Roman soldier, the belt was essential in holding the entire armor together. Truth is essential in holding the virtue of faith together, and it guards us against falling for anything that might lead us into believing the lies of the evil one. Truth secures the foundation of the body. It is the first piece of armor for us to put on. As I said before, it holds the entire armor together. To know the truth, we need to spend time in prayer, in God's word, and in receiving the sacraments to help us avoid being deceived by false beliefs and false teachings that the world wants us to believe. I believe today we are experiencing a crisis of truth in the world. Without truth, there can be no freedom. Without truth, there can be no freedom. This is why Jesus said in John 8:32, If you remain in my word, you will truly be my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So the question I will leave you with regarding the first piece of armor is, how are you seeking God's truth to protect yourself? How are you seeking God's truth to protect yourself? The second piece of armor is the breastplate of righteousness. A breastplate protects the vital organs of of life, mostly the heart. Righteousness is important because it protects against evil entering the heart, which we associate with the virtue of love. It's about right living and doing what is right according to the purpose and will of God, regardless of the consequences, out of love for God and what he has done for us. Righteousness and truth are closely linked to each other. Just as in the soldier's armor, the breastplate was connected to the belt, providing a solid foundation to protect the soldier. They connect to each other to protect our hearts and help us to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. The third piece of armor, feet 
shod in readiness for the gospel of peace. In other words, we should always be ready to share the gospel or go wherever God's leading us. A Roman soldier's shoes or boots had spikes on the soles that gave him balance so he wouldn't lose his footing in battle. This armor gives us strength, stability, and protection so we can keep the enemy from harming or preventing us from bringing the gospel of peace into the world. Romans 16.20 says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Always remember that you have the power of the Holy Spirit to resist evil and crush Satan. So listen to what Jesus said in Luke 10:19. Behold, I have given you the power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and upon the full force of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. The shoes of peace also give us a firm foundation that not only helps us crush Satan, but also helps us to keep from losing our footing as we try to follow Jesus in a world that tries to lead us in the wrong direction. And we certainly don't want to do that. The fourth armor is the shield of faith that Paul tells us is the way to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. There is a spiritual battle going on right now to try and destroy our faith and even bring us harm or death. A shield protects us and provides us with a defense against the lies of the enemy. Practicing the virtues of faith, hope, and charity acts as a shield to protect us when we are confronted in a spiritual battle. The shield of faith stops the arrows that tries to make us doubt our faith and lose our trust in the Lord. So your faith is like a fire extinguisher. It puts out the fiery attacks of the enemy. The virtue of faith makes us stronger and removes fear by bringing us peace. Our faith is a gift that we have to put into action. It's not just something we have, it's something we use, most especially when life gets difficult. That's when Satan's arrows tries to destroy our faith by trying to tell us that God doesn't care or that he doesn't hear our prayers. Faith is believing without seeing and trusting that God is in control and that he has a perfect plan for you. You may not understand what that plan is, but just keep saying, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray for an increase in the virtue of faith because it's your faith that puts out the fire that's trying to destroy you and steal your inheritance. The fifth piece of armor is the helmet of salvation that we need to protect our head, our mind, and our thoughts. In today's culture, we're being bombarded with despair, defeat, loneliness, isolation, and even doom and gloom. This is why the virtue of hope is so important because it helps protect us from discouragement and doubt by reminding us 
that God is in control. Never doubt God's enduring mercy that saved us and gave us eternal life. Never doubt what Jesus did for you on the cross out of love. We are told time and time again in the Psalms that his love and mercy endures forever. Satan wants to destroy our belief systems. He wants to destroy what you know is right. He wants to destroy the truth by feeding you lies, such as it's all good. It's not all good. That's why he's called the father of lies. Don't let Satan take away what you know in your heart to be the truth. Protecting your head with the helmet of salvation is critical because Satan wants your thoughts, your morals, your standards, and your belief systems to conform to the world. Paul tells us in Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and pleasing and perfect. When we say, thy will be done, when we say, Jesus, I trust in you, when we say, Lord, I surrender myself to you, you're not conforming to the world. Rather, your mind is being transformed to the mind of Christ. So the next piece of armor is not worn, but it's held. It's a weapon used against the enemy. It's the sword of the spirit. It's a double-edged sword, which is the word of God. The word of God is a powerful spiritual weapon that we can use to destroy and crush the enemy. Hebrews 4.12 tells us how powerful God's word is. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the hearts. A two-edged sword is able to cut in both directions. It can inflict a mortal blow. God's word spoken by you is like a double-edged sword, capable of causing a death blow to the enemy who is trying to destroy you. The word of God is a weapon that can destroy the enemy that's trying to steal your faith, your family, your peace, and most especially your salvation. Even Jesus used the word of God when he was confronted and tempted by Satan in the desert. In Luke chapter 4, when Satan tried to tempt Jesus with power and glory, Jesus quoted the Old Testament. So what did Satan do? He left. He knew he couldn't fight the word of God. So do what Jesus did. Use the word of God as a weapon when you're being tempted by Satan. A verse in the Bible that I use when I feel Satan is trying to attack me is from Isaiah 54, 17, that says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And when Satan is trying to tempt me to doubt that I am able to do what the Lord is asking of me, I use Philippians 4.13 and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
Memorize certain Bible verses to sharpen your sword so you're able to stand firm and resist evil. By now, it should be pretty clear that the Bible is about God's plan to protect you. And the evil one will do anything to try and keep you from being in the Word of God because he knows how powerful and transforming it is. When you put on the full armor of truth, righteousness, peace, faith, the Word of God, and salvation, and when you pray and put the spiritual virtues into action, you have the power and the authority to win the war between good and evil. Remember, when you put on the virtues of faith, hope, and charity, you are also putting on the armor of God. There are a few other ways I have found to protect us from the tricks of the devil. A nun once told me while I was on retreat several years ago that when you feel Satan is trying to distract you, start praising God and Satan will leave because Satan cannot stand to be where God is being praised. So praising God is a great way to protect yourself and your family. Next, say the name of Jesus. It is powerful, and Satan knows it because his name is holy, and that's why it should also never be used in vain or without reverence. Say his name often to yourself or even out loud. End your prayers by saying, in the name of Jesus, because his name has so much power to protect and heal. Paul ends the letter to the Ephesians by asking us to pray constantly at every opportunity. Prayer is a weapon that will help you persevere and endure until Christ returns. So basically, Paul says three things about how we should pray. First, prayer should be constant. Our tendency may be only to pray when there is a crisis or a great need. Second, prayer should be intense. In other words, it needs to be focused on God. And third, prayer must be unselfish. We need to pray as much for others and with others as for ourselves. Pray to grow in the virtues, because as the Catechism, paragraph, paragraph 1803 says, the virtuous person tends toward the good with all his sensory and spiritual powers. He pursues the good and chooses it in concrete actions. Prayer helps us to endure whatever life hands us. As Matthew 24, 13 says, He who endures to the end shall be saved. He who endures to the end shall be saved. In other words, never, never give up. God does hear your prayers. God is answering your prayers, and he has a plan to protect you. God chose you even before you were born. You are a child of God, intentionally chosen by him and for him. He chose to love you, to save you, to forgive you, to redeem you, and to protect you until you return to him for eternity. You belong to him, and it's important that you know that. Believe it, and let Satan know that you belong to Jesus Christ. Why does Paul kneel before God and pray that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith? 
because when we let Christ dwell in us, we are safe. We are protected. We have inner strength to follow the will of God and defeat the evil one. Ephesians tells us that you and I are the body of Christ, and the world should see that in each one of us. We have been given spiritual gifts from the Lord to help bring others to him. In other words, we are to be bodybuilders for Christ. Paul encourages us to be imitators of God. The more we know our God, the more we can imitate him. And we imitate him by living in love as Christ loved us and handed himself over for us as a sacrificial offering to God. In other words, the more we practice the virtue of love for God and our neighbors, the more we are willing to sacrifice ourselves for them, the more we are imitating Jesus Christ. Through God's divine mercy, we have been given the armor and the virtues to be able to stand up and resist evil. We have the gift of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, and we have everything we need to be in a right relationship with him that helps make us righteous. We have the truth found in his word. We have the ability to have the peace of God live in our hearts and take that peace into the world. We have faith that trusts and believes in Jesus Christ, and we have the word of God leading and protecting us with his truth. If you want to have the inner strength to stand up and resist evil, then put on the armor of God and put the virtues into action. When you pray constantly, when you praise God through your trials and call upon the name of Jesus, you have all the courage you need to stand up and resist evil. As Jesus said in Luke ten nineteen, Behold, I have given you the power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and upon the full force of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. Remember, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Thank you, Carrie. The Letter to the Ephesians Bible Study, a partnership of Proclaim My Word and the Quest, will continue in moments on AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. This is Susan Milani from St. Catherine of Siena Catholic Church in Kennesaw, Georgia. You're listening to AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. And now we return to the Letter to the Ephesians Bible Study, a partnership of Proclaim My Word and AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Before we conclude this final episode, we have a few moments for Proclaim My Word Unplugged. So first question, Carrie, I love that you mentioned St. Michael the Archangel. Mm-hmm. And just would you give us a little bit of idea of how he relates to the devil, how we talked about earlier in the lessons that we did in the past about that the devil isn't the same level as God. He's a creature. He's right. an angel, fallen angel. Right. How right. it relates to right. St. Michael. God uh, created Satan, just like he created uh, St. Michael. St. Michael and, and Satan are on the same level. One chose to do God's will, and one chose to try to follow his own will. Mm-hmm. So he is in direct opposition of God. And we are called to be God's will. We are called 
to to be humble, to have to practice humility, exactly what Satan was against. Satan was prideful. Satan wanted to control God, and it ended him up in hell. And that's still what he wants today. He still wants it today. Yeah, so everyone knows by now that I love the diary, St. Faustina's diary. Mm -hmm. I've read it a couple times. I want to reread it again now. Uh, But one quote that I love that she had about St. Michael is, um, she said in paragraph 667 of the diary, she said, I have great reverence for St. Michael the Archangel. He had no example to follow in doing the will of God, yet he fulfilled God's will faithfully. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. That he knew in his heart mm-hmm. what the right way to go was, and that was to follow God and to choose God's will yeah. above his own. Yeah, and I, I also think it's good to just remind us that we talked about, I think in lesson one where he talked about that because Satan is a creature, and he only has the amount of chain or rope that God gives him. That's right. It's not that he has unlimited, he's not omniscient and all of the things that we associate with God. And sometimes we forget that. That's right. He only has the amount of freedom that God has given him. Mm-hmm. And that's going to run out. Yeah. So I really liked the discussion. We've talked all along about virtues. And we talked a lot about it this one because of really kind of putting on. The armor. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so uh, my pastor, Monsignor Marin, we had kind of talked about this. And he said that the virtues are meant to protect us. Mm-hmm. And when you see it that way, in light of this, the whole book of Ephesians, even the title, God's plan to protect us. And one thing he said to me that really hit me is nature abhors a vacuum. Mm-hmm. And we're in a world where we're, it's dominated by narcissism, power, greed, hedonism. And if we don't put something on, Nature abhors a vacuum. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anything you want to say about that? Yeah, if we don't fill that vacuum with good things, Satan will fill it with things that will harm us. Mm-hmm. So that's right. Nature does abhor a vacuum. So it's our job to make sure we don't have a vacuum to allow Satan to fill it with any any of his lies. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so good of God to give us that instruction of what to put on. Absolutely. He's given us everything. Everything we need from previent grace yeah. to to the, his armor. Yeah, to, to very practical. I love that. So on the thing of virtue, on the topic of virtue, so I've been uh, reading along with the author. It's um, The name is Dr. Chris Gustafson. Probably people uh, locally to uh, the quest and proclaim my word know uh, Dr. Chris Gustafson. Uh, but he has said openly he wants to start a virtue revolution. Oh, wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah, because virtues, if, I think if you ask people, what's a virtue? Mm-hmm. They wouldn't mm-hmm. even know what it is. Mm-hmm. And the fact that's a habit, you know, of, of doing something that's good. Um, and we have the theological virtues, which you spoke a lot about, faith, hope, and charity. Uh, but he had really great distinction that helped me a lot. So I was one of the people who believed if you wanted the virtue of courage, like courage was the opposite of cowardice. But he explained something that in his name of his book is virtue stands in the middle, that courage is actually in the middle of cowardice on one extreme when you don't have enough courage. And then the other extreme is your full hearty. You know, yeah. you, you just take you know, no regard and you jump off a cliff and say, yeah, that's fine. Um, so it's in the middle, just like humility, I always thought was just the opposite of pride. But he said, no, you have the excess is pride for mm-hmm. humility. And then 
we all know when someone has that self-abjection where they criticize themselves and that kind of thing, you want to kind of go for that golden mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to share on that, or just what you've uh, seen in your own life? I think that is really uh, wisdom coming from what uh, he is saying. It's it's that you don't want to go to the opposite extreme, mm-hmm. like uh, courage, going to the opposite extreme, and, and you could be a, a, a mad person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or going the other direction, fearful of everything. Yeah, And he doesn't want... And God doesn't want that. He wants us to go directly for courage to do whatever he wants us to do, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. to go to extremes on either end. Yeah. And the other thing, too, I love about virtues. Uh, I personally use the journal from Metanoia Catholic. And if anyone's interested, I think it's metanoiacatholic.com. You can look. But it's a journaling uh very guided journal mm-hmm. process, and it's about the virtues. So here are some of the ones I wanted to share just because we know the big ones. We uh-huh. know kind of the theological and then the um, cardinal virtues. But there's there's really, just like there's many things in a person's closet, there's mm-hmm. a, a tons of different virtues you can put on. Right. So I just wanted to share a couple. So um, obviously we generally say love, charity is par excellence. Mm-hmm. Um, and... If it's St. Padre Pio, one of the other things I learned from his book was that Padre Pio kind of gave a shortcut. He said, focus on love and humility. Mm-hmm. If you do that, kind of make a house with a mm-hmm. firm foundation and a good roof, mm-hmm. those two things, you're good to go. So I like shortcuts. <laughs> <laughs> Don't but we the, all. Exactly. But the other ones, um, if you want to comment on any of these, I'll just go through them, though. Uh, truthfulness and honesty is one. Patience. I think that's one we all kind of have issues with mortification so virtue mortification like the willingness to be to suffer not that we go looking for it but if we have a situation where it's a suffering uh posture that we need to take Mm -hmm. um liberality and this is about like christian money management not just generosity but there's also like in everything to manage it with god's thoughts in mind um simplicity so my confirmation saint is saint Gemma Galgani, and she really has this attribute very well demonstrated um it's one i always reach for one that i don't do well on silence (laughs) (laughs) that's not a um so but i i am getting better at listening to the promptings if i'm in a conversation i sense don't ask or don't say when the holy spirit's prompting me i try to listen to build that that Mm -hmm. and then other two other ones i kind of knew to me that just in this journaling process caution so it's sort of like under prudence but to really take into account like what's happened in the past so you don't fall into pitfalls which i think is relevant to chapter six mm-hmm. and then the last one longanimity which is capacity to hold out and wait for the good and that is we're waiting to be returned to god mm-hmm. so these mm-hmm. are all things that we can pray for absolutely um as far as dealing with suffering we are all going to suffer whether you're a christian or not and your suffering can have value if you let it. Mm-hmm. If you say, Lord, you, you always ask for the suffering to be taken from you if it's his will. But if it's not, use your suffering for good. Use, your, use the suffering that I'm going through to maybe help somebody else. Mm-hmm. And as far as silence, I think that's something uh, we all have problems with. There's a book called Habits of Holiness. And one of the comments in there is, Think about what you're going to say. If it doesn't have an impact 
or has no result, why say it? Mm-hmm. Why even say it? So think about what you're going to say. And it doesn't have any value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when I went to confession once, the priest has since passed, but I remember <laughs> it was kind of profound, kind of like when that uh, therapist talked to you about something in the past. He said, it's easy. You just don't say it. You don't have to do anything. You just <laughs> zip your mouth, don't you know? Say, yeah. And it was like very profound because I was like, that's that's possible. <laughs> right. Just don't say it. Yeah. Especially if it's not building somebody up. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely. And then um, uh, with this, I think putting on this clothing and all these pictures. So it was interesting when I was kind of reading and just doing my part of this study, I happened to have the Divine Mercy picture in front of me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I've been to Poland. It's it's definitely something I've always just really the story of St. Faustina. And um, I can't help but think that like when you look at it and you're studying these virtues, it's like you can't help but see it's like he's virtue he's virtue like the definition of virtue that's right he is virtue i mean you see it the embodiment of virtue exactly and she even said in it that saint faustina said that jesus said my gaze from this image is like my gaze from the cross Mm. that was number 326 Mm. and if you see he and he's in a form of blessing he's moving forward that he's giving yes the light coming out and emanating from him uh, and you know, the Eucharist and the baptism that we've spoken about through the lessons. It's like it all kind of comes together. And um, there was one you had read from Isaiah. So I wanted to read from Wisdom mm-hmm. because it's another one that talks about kind of putting on and it gives you a really great visual, which I think is perfect opportunity for people to take from here to meditate on the divine mercy image right. and it also ties in the new testament to the old testament exactly it's wisdom five chapter 5 17 to 20 he shall take zeal for his armor and he shall arm creation to requite the enemy he shall don justice for a breastplate and shall wear sure judgment for a helmet he shall take invincible rectitude as a shield and wet his sudden anger for a sword and the universe shall war with him against the full hardy and another word, like in different translations, it says madmen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. against the madmen, the foolhardy. So this is very powerful. Um, and I know in the study guide, I do want to remind everyone we've done the prayers in the beginning and the ending, what like we'll do today. But in the very beginning of the study guide, there is the unity prayer. And this is a very powerful prayer. Again, saying it out loud, I let you say it every night, but. Uh, it's very common for people to say it multiple times a day because it has, it's been known to blind the enemy from what we're doing. So uh, very powerful there. Great. Any um, thing that you wanted to um, add in, Carrie, in terms of um, if someone's fallen for a lie or deception of the devil, any just advice of just how to pick themselves up to keep moving forward? Well, I think this is where silence comes in spend time in silence and ask the Lord, am I being deceived? Is this from you? If it's not from you, please take it away. Mm-hmm. If we did that before making any major decision, think about how much protection that would be for us. Sometimes we go down the wrong road only because we don't stop and ask, am I, going, am I in the right direction, Lord? That's great parting words. That's really, really good, Carrie. Thank you. You're welcome. Will you lead us in the closing prayer found on page six? 
Absolutely. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, I praise and thank you for providing all that I need here on earth so I may one day be with you in heaven. I desire to see Jesus in everyone I encounter and know that we are all equal in your eyes. I pray that I will be prepared to defend my faith with courage that can only come from the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, increase my faith so I am able to stand firm and resist the tactics of the devil. Keep me grounded in your holy word so I am able to proclaim the truth with love. Help me to remember to pray constantly and to put on your armor every day so I am prepared for and protected against whatever may happen. Thank you for loving me and being in control, not only of my life, but also of the world today. I know there is nothing and no one I should fear because you are protecting all those who love and obey you and your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we've come to the end of our study on St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and we have heard the many ways that God created a plan to protect each one of us. Carrie, would you offer some final closing thoughts, please? Well, the letter to the Ephesians tells us how blessed we are to have been intentionally chosen by God because he loves us unconditionally and created us to live with him in his kingdom forever. You and I belong to him. We are his children and his heirs. He will do anything to help protect and save us if we let him. How do we let him save us? By letting his son, Jesus Christ, dwell in us. That's also how we are protected from the evil one who is trying to destroy our faith and our trust in the Lord. You have been given spiritual gifts to use to help build his body, to help others be open to receive his gift of salvation. You may be the only way someone gets into heaven. Your actions, your words, your prayers can help change someone's life forever. Paul encourages us to imitate God. And to imitate him, we have to know who he is We have to try to think like him, love like him, forgive like him, and be merciful like him. When you are living the virtues of faith, hope, and love, you are imitating God. There's a battle going on right now for our soul. It's not a battle that you can see, but believe me, it's there. You are protected in the battle by being prepared. Your merciful Father in heaven has given you everything you need to be prepared in this life. He has given you the church, the sacraments, his holy word, and all the armor you need to win the battle. You are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And through Jesus Christ, you have the authority to defeat sin and evil. All you have to do is stand up and resist evil. Put on your armor daily and don't forget to say, I belong to Jesus and no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Amen. I can't think of a better way to thank and encourage our listeners to live out the message of Ephesians than by concluding with the Proclaim My Word song to remind all of us to pray for the inner courage and strength to know his word, to live his word, and to proclaim his word. I hear you call my name, I hear the words you pray, and I know your heart is troubled. When you trust in me, I am with you every moment. And in your hopeless times, the truth will bring you light. Trust the words that I have given. 
has been the Letter to the Ephesians Bible Study, a partnership of Proclaim My Word and AM 1160 The Quest. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. If you like what you heard, please consider supporting Proclaim My Word. Just go to ProclaimMyWord.org and hit the donate button. You'll also find the link to register for the current study and receive the study guide at ProclaimMyWord.org. Thank you for your generosity in helping us evangelize by spreading His Word. This has been a production of AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio.